0: Welcome to Charlotte Readers Podcast, where
1: authors give voice to their written words. This is the show that features stories and poems by local and regional authors, the kinds that touch the emotions, followed by conversations that offer depth and insight into the readings and writing lives of the authors. We record this
0: show in the well-equipped podcast studio at Advent Coworking, located right here in the Belmont community near uptown Charlotte.
1: Support for Charlotte Readers Podcast is provided by Park Road Books, the oldest and only independent bookstore in Charlotte, conveniently located in Park Road Shopping Center, and by Charlotte Mecklenburg Library, a connector of readers, leaders, and learners with 20 locations and a 24-hour online presence. For more information about these book-minded sponsors who help authors give voice to their written words, please visit them online at parkroadbooks.com and cmlibrary.org, or drop by the bookstore or any library branch. Support is also provided by
0: members like you, and for that, we offer our gratitude, along with some awesome member-only content. You can find out more about these member benefits at charlottereaderspodcast.com. But enough with the prologue, let's get to the stories. I'm your host, Landis Wade. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the the end-of-the-year episode of Charlotte Readers Podcast. This is being released on December 31st, 2019 got several things uh, in store for today. First, some quick reflections about my first full year of podcasting. Uh, and after that, uh, we're going to talk about what's coming in Season 5. I'm going to give you the lineup, and you're going to hear the voices of the authors who, are, who will appear in Season 5. And finally, I'm going to talk about what else is new in 2020. We're going to be adding a Friday 20-minute show, and we're going to be creating some additional exclusive content But more about those additions after a few reflections and the lineup for season five.
1: Host Landis Wade is committed to making this podcast worth your time. He's a recovering trial lawyer, award-winning author, book and dog lover, whose laid-back style encourages authors to read and talk about their published and emerging works. You can
0: listen to this show for free at charlottereaderspodcast.com or at Charlotte Mecklenburg Library's digital branch website, and you can subscribe and listen for free on Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to get your podcast.
1: Show notes of this episode with images, links, and information about the authors are available at Charlotte Charlotte Readers Podcast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. For more information, go to Queen City
0: Did you hear the one about the lawyer who walked into a podcast studio? Well, that's what happened about uh, 15 months ago. Uh, I was curious about podcasting, uh, and I'm a writer and have always enjoyed learning from other authors, and I'm a reader and I've always enjoyed hearing writers read and talk about their work in addition to reading their work, and this thing sort of came together in the form of Charlotte Readers Podcast after I was kicking around some ideas about what I might do if I actually did retire from the full-time practice of law. And so I came up with this idea, and originally I thought this might be a way to maybe build an author platform for myself, you know, kind of like starting a blog or hosting a literary uh, book club or some other kind of literary event. But I got into this, it turned into something entirely different for me, which leads me into my reflections on my first full year of podcasting. I like to tell people that I went from a full-time paying job to a full-time non-paying job and that... uh, retiring from the practice of law did not result in something that was retiring in and of itself. In fact, uh, you know, if I were keeping billable hours, I'd probably have more billable hours this year that uh, aren't billable to anyone uh, than I did uh, in the last couple years of law practice, just because, uh, you know, when you enjoy doing something uh, and you get into it, uh, there are lots of new things to learn and lots of of hours you can spend. But I found it to be a very creative uh, outlet I really enjoy helping authors tell their stories in what I hope is a fun and interesting way, Uh, and I've been challenged every day in this venture by technology, scheduling, social media, promotion, and more. I mean, you know, when I was practicing law, I had an assistant. She was great. Angela, if you're listening, uh, you know, please come work for my podcast, although I can't pay you, so keep your job. It really is uh, something that uh, you have to have a passion about, and I mean, most people that are podcasting have a passion about what they're doing. They've they've got something they want to say, got something they want to do, and that's what I found out when I started networking with with other podcasters and experience it personally. So, I've been challenged, as I said, every day by all these new things. I've learned, you know, I was I was the kind of lawyer who needed to call the IT department to uh, help me change my password. Now I'm learning how to uh, edit and post, uh, you know, through the back office of the website and talk shop with a web designer and work on uh, social media issues. So it has been, you know, a very uh, steep learning curve for me. More than that, though, I've had to grow as a person and adjust my thinking on several things. As a lawyer, uh, I was a litigator. I was a trial lawyer. You know, lawyers lawyers like to be right. Um, I had a good friend who was a mediator, and I'm a mediator too, who says that, uh, you know, if if two different sides want to settle a case – Uh, Jeff, if you're listening, you'll remember this, but if two sides want to settle a case, you know, they've got to realize that uh, they've got to get over the need to be right. That I think he described it this way, that, you know, fish who are swimming around, you know, in in a fishbowl, they sort of swim around in their rightness. Uh, They don't know the difference, and sometimes lawyers don't know the difference either. They just need to be right, and so one of the things I had to figure out was you know, you don't have to always be right and you shouldn't always be right. And that shouldn't be your goal or your focus. So I, I created these seven reminders early this past year, um, stuck them on my board in my, my study at home. And I look at them from time to time. And And here are the seven reminders for me. Number one is patience. Cancellations happen. You know, every author different. Uh, I've got to, I've got to work hard to maintain a certain level of patience. Uh, you know, when you're learning new techniques, new audio, new this, you push buttons, things don't work right, you know, you gotta have patience, right? Second, this relates sort of to um, the idea of podcasting itself, and that was uh, pace. Try to have a conversation. This is not cross-examination, as my wife liked to say when I would get an argument home sometimes, I'm not your witness, they you know, don't cross-examine me. Uh, so the whole idea here with uh, podcasting, I've had to learn is it's a, a matter of pace. It's a matter of having a conversation. The third thing on my list is sincerity. Um, try to be true. Don't fake it. Try to be who you are. I originally thought I had to somehow turn myself into a, uh, a DJ or an audio person, but uh, I've learned in talking to other podcasters, listening to podcasts, doing this thing called podcasting that uh, and the ones I like the most are the ones where people are just who they are. I mean, every voice is different. Everybody has something to say. So be sincere. Be true. Don't fake it. Uh, hopefully it will work out. These are in no particular order because this one I've had to, uh, you know, has come to me in a lot of situations here, and that is be grateful. Be grateful for the opportunity. Be grateful for the for the authors who appear on the show. Be grateful for the listeners. Be grateful for this experience. Uh, part of being grateful is not being judgmental. Lawyers are good at being judgmental. Actively listen. This kind of ties into pace. Uh, I learned this a little bit. I went to the art of the interview with tommy tomlinson and mike collins you know tommy has uh, the southbound podcast is really good mike collins he's been on radio forever and comes on every day i don't know how he does it every day it's a new new interview but uh, one of the things they said and i took it to heart is that uh you have to listen to people you can't just come with a set of questions set of questions are nice set of outline questions are nice but if you don't listen then um you know, you're not going to learn anything interesting, uh, and your listeners aren't either. Uh, another reminder I have is, uh, you know, it's fun and important to try to build a community of readers and writers, and uh, that's one thing that uh, that I'm proud of so far, that we do have some listeners, and we do have authors who are supporting the show, um, who are promoting the show, who are interested in it, who are willing and to be on it, uh, and so that's great. And then my seventh item is enjoy the experience, and that's part of what I'm doing today is talking about that experience and letting you know how I have enjoyed it, um, so just a bit, bit more of that, and then we'll move into uh, season, season five and what's coming, but um, in this past year, I've made a number of new friends, a number of new author friends. I mean, if you interview 70 authors in 15 months and you don't screw it up too bad, then this can't happen, and it did happen for me. I've met people in the industry, publishers, publicists, editors, bookstore owners and their employees, librarians, and other people who work in libraries uh, and elsewhere um, through events. And that's been uh, really nice to meet uh, so many different people in an area that uh, I love being in. I've met listeners and I've met other podcasters. I've started working with people skilled in such things as co working, audio recording and editing, social media website design, marketing, graphic design, photography, and more. This thing called podcasting has also led to some speaking opportunities. Uh, I recently spoke at uh, Advent University, which was a uh, partnership with Advent Coworking and Queen City Podcast Network. And I talked about booking guests and legal considerations in podcasting, and I had a had a great time doing that. I also spoke to the local bar and did a little seminar talk called what lawyers and podcasters can teach each other about direct examination Uh, the nutshell premise here is that uh, lawyers are pretty good at uh, preparing for trial uh, putting on the elements so to speak but uh, sometimes lawyers uh, forget that uh, juries and judges want to be entertained as well and they want to uh, they want lawyers to listen pay attention to them and you know podcasters i think many of the good ones of course are good at preparing but sometimes it's the idea of entertainment is great but without some level of preparation uh, the entertainment value is going to suffer so i think combining those two the preparation uh, and the entertainment listening value um, I've, I've, i think is what helps lead to uh, a good quality presentation and i've enjoyed listening to other podcasters that do that, uh, watching lawyers that do that, watching podcasts to do that. And I've tried to do that myself and continue to learn in that, in that regard. And as I've grown, the podcast has grown too. And I'm thankful for that. When we launched season three in the spring of 2019, Charlotte McMurray library came on as a co-sponsor with park road books. We were also invited to join, and we gladly joined the queen city podcast network in the spring, which now has around, uh, 25, uh, network shows i believe these are shows that uh, are produced in the charlotte area and either focus on charlotte related matters um, and they run the gamut uh, so you get a lot of variety there we released our 50th episode on september 3rd 2019 after launching the first author episode about a year earlier in october 2018 uh, and, it, and also um, uh, this this year in 2019 around october middle of october we reached uh, 10,000 downloads, and uh, since then we've picked up another 2,500 downloads in the last few months. And this is only possible because people like you are listening, and again, for that I'm, I'm very grateful. We were able to conduct five live podcasts in 2019 with a variety of authors. Um, we did one in Uptown at the Shout Festival. We were at Park Road Books. We were at Davison College. We were at the Charlotte Museum of History. We've got... Uh, A number of those planned uh, already in the first quarter of uh, 2020. And we were excited to be selected in the Queen City Nerves Best of the Nest December edition as Best Podcast in Charlotte 2019. And I know there are a number of great podcasts in Charlotte. Any award of this type can be somewhat subjective, but I was very honored by the selection and will continue to work hard to, to live up to it. But as I like to say on the show, enough with the prologue. Let's get to the stories, which means let's talk about Season 5 and what's coming. Now, Season 5 was an active and enjoyable undertaking this past fall to put together. I recorded uh, 15 episodes with 19 authors. Uh, I did it while editing and releasing Season 4, which included 15 episodes with 18 authors. And I did it while doing some uh, exciting planning for the podcast, which I'll get to in just a moment So for the next 15 or so minutes, uh, you're going to hear about uh, each of the 15 episodes of season five, and you're also going to hear the voices of the authors uh, during this segment. We start off season five with Jackie Shelton Green, uh, the North Carolina Poet Laureate, who reads a number of her poems and discusses her work as Poet Laureate and shares her love of writing poetry. Jackie's the first African-American to be appointed as a North Carolina Poet Laureate, Uh, she starts the show reading her poem I Know the Grandmother One Had Hands which she wrote when leading a series of writing workshops for women on death row where the exercise was to write about the power of hands and here's a short clip from that poem
2: I know the grandmother one had hands I know the grandmother one had hands but they were always in bowls folding, pinching rolling the dough making the bread. I know the grandmother one had hands, but they were always underwater, sifting rice, bluing clothes, starching lives. I know the grandmother one had hands, but they were always in the earth, planting seeds, removing weeds, growing knives, burying sons. I know the grandmother one had hands, but they were always under the cloth, pushing it along, helping it birth into skirt, dress, curtains to lock out night.
0: In Episode 2 of Season 5, author Webb Hubble appears on the show and discusses his recent book, The East End. It is another book in his Jack Patterson legal thriller series. Bill Clinton, the 42nd President of the United States and co-author of The President is Missing, says that the East End is a powerful, authentic thriller set in a real place with a story about the real health care needs of people who can't afford it and the real danger to good people when public corruption threatens the rule of law and respect for facts. He calls it a great read and an important warning, and I certainly enjoyed reading it as well. Uh, we start the show with Webb reading from early in the book where attorney Jack Patterson is facing a life-and-death situation for unexplainable reasons— And here's a short clip from that reading.
3: The man who first met me on the road spat and said, You came home one too many times, Jack. Who are you? What's going on? I figured I already knew. He spat again and grinned. This. His heavy fist landed square on my jaw. And this. The toe of his boot struck right between my legs. A pain like fire coursed through my lower body and I thought my brain would explode. When I came to, two men were holding me upright by my arms. The pain emanating from my groin distracted me from feeling the pain in my jaw. I coughed and sputtered, trying to recover my wits. My assailant was dancing around me like a boxer, trying to decide where to strike next. The men holding me up were laughing and egging him on.
0: In episode three of season five, author Valerie Neiman appears on the show and she discusses her books To the Bones and Leopard Lady. The reviews of To the Bones call it a parable on capitalism and environmental degradation, set in a strange, disconcerting place populated by thoughtful, articulate people, trigger happy rent-a-cops, zombies, and residents who can mysteriously evaporate or be stripped to the bone. Valerie also reads from her poetry book, Leopard Lady. Lisa Schaefer, curator of the Coney Island Museum, calls Leopard Lady a beautifully written book that is steeped in sideshow tradition and addressing issues of race, gender, self-concept, and creative expression. We start the show with Valerie reading from To the Bones, where we learn in the opening pages that the protagonist was not the first occupant in a pit left for dead. And
4: here's a short clip from that reading. The last thing he remembered, he'd been driving. A two-lane road, the trees so close, an inky tunnel pierced by his headlights. Maybe the car went off the road. Maybe you're buried, his unpleasant thoughts mocked. There was a faint lessening of the gloom ahead, He kept crawling, sticks rolling under his hand. Something chitinous and leggy moved across his fingers. He pulled his hand away, then put it back down. The thin gray light increased. He could see that, if not much else, with his glasses gone. And his shoes were gone, too, the toes of his socks dragging across the damp rocks. He seemed to hear things breathing nearby, waiting. No one's coming back for you, ever.
0: In episode four of season five, author Carrie Knowles appears on the show to read short fiction and essay. Carrie was the 2014 North Carolina Piedmont Laureate for short fiction, and she reads from her forthcoming novel, The Inevitable Past, her novella, A Garden Wall in Provence, and several stories from her short fiction collection called Black Tie Optional. Here's a clip from the feature story of Black Tie Optional.
4: He loves the clarinet, she said, again offering him the tie. He doesn't care that he's in the lowest group. You're not his mother, are you? No. Lucky you, Mr. Hunter said, taking hold of the other end of the tie in order to pull it free from her hand. Jeanette held tight to the tie, forcing Mr. Hunter to struggle with her for a moment. He can play ten songs in all the scales in the beginning book, she said, a little louder and more defensively than she had intended. Then she let go of the tie, and when she did, Mr. Hunter was thrown off balance and had to take a quick step back in order to keep from falling. I don't know anything about ties, she said, and Kevin's father is a real jerk, so consequently the kid needs a little help in the tie department. It's important that he gets to wear the tie, real important. In episode
0: five of season five, author J. A. Walsh comes on the show to read and talk about uh, his debut novel *Purpose of Evasion*, which takes its title from the CIA oath. Joe Walsh brings his practical experience as an Army intelligence officer and his work in counterterrorism to create his first in the Sammy Keaney thriller series, where Sammy, a new spy hero, is faced with a ticking clock to prevent the next hotel explosion and a series of explosions on U.S. soil planned by enemies, both foreign and domestic. Here's a clip from the book where the narrator is describing the differences between how the FBI and the CIA approach this problem of terrorism.
5: After 9-11, it became conventional Washington wisdom that the people who hated America would no longer express their feelings just by blowing up our embassies in the Middle East and Africa, and that the FBI needed to take on more counterterrorism and intelligence responsibilities. The problem with the FBI was they wanted to do things covert agencies had long done, but with a bias toward prosecution. The Hoover Building was full of people who liked to arrest and indict and convict. Langley was different. The CIA traded in information, but their trade was secrets, not justice. They used secrets to compromise agents who were, by definition, liars, and who in turn provided more secrets. If the CIA discovered that Mr. Bad Guy would like to harm America, they collected information about Mr. Bad Guy. Information, not evidence. If Mr. Bad Guy had actionable plans to harm America, they disrupted those plans. They might even kill Mr. Bad Guy, but they would not arrest him. Information was power, even if they never used it.
0: In Episode 6 of Season 5, author Rosie Crumpton and poet Camaria Delaney appear on the show together. Uh, Rosie is the author of All I Left Unsaid, a Latina's Journey Toward Truth, and Camaria is the author of the poetry anthology Soul Power. In Rosie's novel, tinged with much personal truth, an idyllic childhood in Panama is disrupted when a mother moves her child to the United States with a man who is not the child's father, and after many traumas, the child grows up and tries to find her way home to the family she left behind. Camaria Delaney defines soul power as all things that make your soul smile, your heart flutter, and empower you to keep going. And in her anthology she celebrates her black heritage with poems with a common theme never be afraid to soar for there's freedom in the leap here's a clip of Rosie reading from her book uh, and Kamaria reading from one of her poems
6: walking across that stage didn't feel like the beginning of my adult life it wasn't joyous exciting or scary like the other graduates around me were describing it represented the end of a bad era for me I was angry I felt held back, I felt tired. I regretted not taking full advantage of the college experiences the kids around me talked about and were already missing, but maybe now I could be free.
2: When I dream, I don't hesitate to let my whole imagination flow, because if you know, like I know, they told me to dream big. You see, I can never put my dreams in a box, so far tucked away that I can't even feel my dreams anymore. Nah, I got to see my dreams on paper, so I write them down. I read them out loud, so I never lose sight of where I'm trying to go. Dreams should go far beyond what you want to do and eventually reflect what you must do.
0: In Episode 7 of Season 5, we meet author Kimri Martin, who reads and discusses her new book, The Antidote for Everything, which will come out uh, on February 18th, the same day that we release uh, the podcast episode. Kimry is an emergency room doctor turned medical fiction writer, whose recent book, The Antidote for Everything, is, according to the New York Times, something that Martin leverages through her own background as a doctor to great effect throughout. In this smart, timely novel, two doctors must choose between treating their patients and keeping their jobs when the hospital instructs doctors to stop treating transgender patients. We start the show with Kimry reading from the first chapter of the book, where the female protagonist has started her day by stabbing a man in the scrotum. But as the story opens, we learn that Dr. Georgia Brown has a medically defensible reason for doing so. Here's a clip of that reading.
7: Most women did not begin their days by stabbing a man in the scrotum, but Georgia Brown was not most women. She'd risen as she always did at 5 o'clock, prepared her usual concoction of coffee in medium-chain triglyceride oil, And gone for a run. She loved the pre-dawn streets of Charleston. Absent the cacophony of tourists and the nuclear blanket of the sun, the air was usually quiet and cool, laced through with the tang of the sea. Afterward, a quick shower, a moment of meditation to try to tamp down the endorphins, a grooming blitz, hair in a twist, a smear of bright red lipstick, and she was ready to work. Stab, was the wrong verb, of course, but you didn't become a female urologist without a strong sense of humor.
0: In episode 8 of season 5, we meet authors Marianne Claude and Mary Flynn. They read and discuss their books Alex Dances and Lumina, and the books are somewhat related because they both deal with dancing. At least that's front and center in the plots of both books. Marianne's latest novel, Alex Dances, features Alexandra Ward Dixon, who comes from a long line of strong-minded women from a prominent Southern textile family and who has one goal in life, to be a principal dancer for the American Ballet Theater. She leans on her grandfather, but has to fight her ever-determined mother who has a different idea for her career. Mary Flynn's latest novel, Lumina, depicts social life on Riceville Beach during the summer of 1928, when an early version of the Shag was introduced at the Lumina Beach Pavilion, also known as the Palace of Light. Lumen explores race relations, prohibition, new jazz, the sexual revolution, changing roles for women, and class conflict, and has a little romance thrown in for good measure. We start the show with uh, Mary Ann and Mary reading from the opening pages of their books, and uh, here's a clip uh, from those readings.
8: My name is Alexandra Ward-Dixon. I'm a junior at Parkersburg Academy. I am tall and skinny, and I don't have any boobs, but I have very long legs. I'm a dancer, so that works for me. My ambition is to be a principal at ABT, the American Ballet Theater. My stage name will be Alexandra Ward, with the ah sound in the middle like Alexandra. I've known since I was six that I would be a dancer. I hear music in my head all the time.
2: Front porches, she thought, were icons of quintessential casual Southern society the purpose of which has been mostly lost to modern-day homeowners. Just the creak of a foot on old wood filled Ann Borden with her own pleasant childhood memories of comfortable good times, relationships built with relatives, friends and neighbors, and a camaraderie of days gone by.
0: In Episode 9 of Season 5, we meet author Patrice Gopo, author of All the Colors We Will See, Reflections on Barriers, Brokenness, and Finding Our Way. It's a Barnes & Noble Fall 2018 Discover Great New Writer's Selection. Patrice draws on her experience as the child of Jamaican immigrants, born and raised in Anchorage, Alaska. Patrice enjoys exploring issues of race, immigration, and belonging. She believes that the personal essay is an effective method for uncovering deeper thoughts, causes, and concerns that lie beneath your lived experiences. In this show, we highlight essays that speak to family history, black role models, degrees of blackness, and more, And we explore the writing of personal essay. Here's a clip from uh, an essay that uh, Patrice reads and discusses on the show that has to do with a dead mall.
6: Who cries over a mall? As a recent arrival to Charlotte, I never knew the dead mall when it was alive with the hum of eager shoppers and squalling children. I never walked through the stores and touched soft fabrics or sifted through piles of sale CDs. I never sipped lemonade while middle schoolers exchanged first kisses just beyond the food court. I don't know what it was to circle and circle around the bright green leaves in search of an elusive parking spot. Still, I keep driving by, watching the demolition of a mall I never knew. A few more weeks and the dead mall will be a wasteland of concrete. Hundreds and thousands of parallel and perpendicular lines will provide parking for nothing not
0: even an abandoned building. In episode 10 of season 5, we meet co-authors Judy Schindler and Judy Selden-Cohen, and we discuss their book, Recharging Judaism, how civic engagement is good for synagogues, Jews, and America. This book, Recharging Judaism, uh, calls American synagogues to take institutional stands on social justice issues explaining why this is appropriate with Jewish texts and showing how to implement change with helpful frameworks. But it's not just a message for Jews because everyone should be able to draw inspiration from the idea of a minion on the move where gathering 10 or more souls together in faith outside the congregation can lead to taking a stand firmly rooted in support of people from all walks of life who need allies to fight injustice. Here's a clip. From the show where I asked both Judy's how this book, how the writing of this book affected their own faith journeys. How did writing this book um, help your faith journey?
8: I think writing this book legitimized what it was that I felt called to do. Um, I have been an advocate in the community for
6: it's probably now twelve or fourteen years. And this book helped me understand just how Jewish
4: that <laughs> is.
0: Mm. How about you, Rabbi Judy?
4: Since I've written the book, I've really been out traveling with the book and speaking at churches. Um and lately with this rise in anti-Semitism, I've been preaching a lot more at churches
0: and in the community. So I think getting this book into the world has really
4: challenged me in a lot of ways to learn more about other faiths so that I could um, better teach about who I am in relation to them.
0: In episode 11 of season 5, author Peter Guzzardi reads from and discusses his book, Emeralds of Oz, Life Lessons from Over the Rainbow. In addition to the many insights Peter draws from The Wizard of Oz, he finds nine emeralds, which he believes have great value and power for guiding one through life's obstacles. Carol Burnett says that she loved the book as much as the movie because it opened your eyes and heart to a new way of being in the world. We start the show with Peter reading from early in the book where he answers the question, why the Wizard of Oz? And before we're through in this episode, you'll be reminded why there's no place like home. Here's a clip of Peter reading from that section of the book.
9: Lots of movies offer valuable life lessons. Yet this one stands head and shoulders above the rest. Today, eight decades after its Hollywood premiere on August 15, 1939, it's still remarkably alive in our cultural consciousness. You need only look to contemporary hits like The Wiz or Wicked to see its influence. The film is also mentioned time and again in songs, movies, TV shows, books, articles, blog posts, cartoons, podcasts, and conversations. What makes it so special? Why is this the most-watched film of all time? Stories become classics when they tune into fundamental aspects of our shared human experience. Gems of wisdom, large and small, have been embedded in the path to the Emerald City to ensure that we are not just entertained and inspired, but also enlightened. In Episode 12 of Season 5, we meet
0: poet Irene Blair Honeycutt, who reads... Uh, and discusses her poetry, including poems from her collections Beneath the Bamboo Sky, Before the Light Changes, Waiting for the Trout to Speak, and It Comes as a Dark Surprise. Edwin Hurst says of Beneath the Bamboo Sky that following the staggering loss of Irene's last two siblings and several dear friends in a short period of time, Irene bravely enters the domain of the dying and comes back with a touching testimony of loss, grief, sustenance, and consolation. These themes and Irene's thoughts on the craft of poetry from her years of writing and teaching are the focus of this episode. Here's a clip of Irene reading from Waiting for the Trout to Speak.
8: It's the forgotten memory I keep fishing for. One that swims so deep I can never cast far enough, even in dreams. The palm tree at our back seems to wave goodbye. The way it did when hurricanes swept through in September rushing my toy boats down the gutter. Memory lost so far back, I can't even recall when the conversation stopped in our house. A swift current swallows those shy attempts at words my father sometimes made on the screen porch after supper. The smoke from his lucky strike drilling off into the smoldering dark. This summer, I framed a snapshot I took of him the year before he died. He looks content there, sitting in the rowboat, shrouded in silence beside the lily pads, waiting for the trout to speak.
0: In episode 13 of season five, we meet authors Tamara Wilson and Amy Rogers, who read and discuss uh, the book Idle Talk, Women Writers on the Teenage Infatuations that Changed Their Lives. The book was a finalist for the Eric Hoffer Book Award. The cover of the book features the boy band Herman's Hermits, and the inside pages are filled with essays about pop culture icons. We find stories about singers like Elvis Presley, the Beatles, Sam Cooke, Paul Revere and the Raiders, Jim Morrison, Woody Guthrie, Paul Simon, Bob Dylan, Joni Mitchell, Cher, Janis Joplin, Bobby Orr, Dinah Ross, and Michael Jackson. But there are TV shows and actors, too, such as The Man from U.N.C.L.E., The Mod Squad, Harrison Ford, Johnny Depp, Jennifer Beal, Leonardo DiCaprio, Bogart and Bacall, Dick Van Dyke, and more. We start the show with Tamara and Amy reading from the introduction of the book, which is entitled The Truth Behind the Size. Here's a clip from that reading.
2: Traditional teen idols are musicians or actors with an inherent boyish charm. You know the type. Paul McCartney, Peter Noon, Davy Jones bobby sherman baby faces who age slowly others are machos with a swaggering bad boy image elvis sam cook john lennon johnny depp but whoever they are they capture our young hearts like no other decades later we stop in our tracks when we hear their voice or see their image we want our idols to be constant we pray dear god let them look like they used to Let that early version still exist, but of course the actual person, the real human being, must grow old with us, or sadly, die before his or her time.
0: In episode 14 of season 5, we meet author Jody Helmer, who reads and discusses her book, Protecting Pollinators, How to Save the Creatures that Feed Our World. This is a nonfiction book, not a dystopian novel of things to come, but that makes it even more disconcerting Because the threats to the birds, bats, and insects that pollinate our world are real. Bee and butterfly populations have plummeted by a third or more, and many pollinator species are under attack by habitat loss, invasive species, pesticides, and climate change. In this episode, we explore the beauty, challenges, and quirks of working with pollinators and tips on how to avoid a world without them. Jody also discusses her book, Growing Your Own Tea Garden. We start the show with Jody reading about children and butterflies from the chapter titled, Helping without hurting. Here's a clip from that reading.
6: Residents of the North Carolina college town fluttered in to witness the event. A toe-headed toddler wearing glittery butterfly wings over her sundress raced towards the mesh cage, her arms outstretched, shouting, Come here, butterfly, land on me! Before her mom could pull her back, Associate Pastor John Ryan recited a prayer that included the lines, O little butterfly, messenger of God... "'Fly away as high as you can go. Fly, fly, little wings. Fly to where the angels sing. Go now, find the light, and keep the joy in your sight.' Then a teacher from each of the nine classes opened an envelope or unzipped the mesh habitats. The colorful monarchs, giant swallowtails, and painted ladies took flight, and all of the children, squealing with delight, tipped their faces toward the sky.' A butterfly landed on the shoulder of a little boy wearing a superhero t-shirt and a butterfly mask, and just as he practiced, he stood still while his classmates gathered around in awe.
0: Last but not least, uh, in episode 15 of season five, we meet author Elaine Orr, who reads and discusses her book, Swimming Between Worlds. It's set in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, during the early stages of the civil rights movement of the 1960s. The Richmond Times-Dispatch observed that Swimming Between Worlds is a novel of great humanity. Conceived with compassion and rendered with grace, it scores a triumph for its author and a blessing for her readers. The plot focuses on Tacker and Kate and the world around them, and whether they can find a life together given Tacker's desire for social change and Kate's desire to go slow on race relations. It's a love story at the epicenter of change in a small southern town in the late 1950s and early 1960s. We start the show with Elaine reading about the protagonist's initial impressions upon his return home. His town of Winston-Salem has changed. But after spending two years in Nigeria, Tacker Hart has changed even more. Here's a short clip from that reading.
8: Chapter 1, July 1959. Tacker Hart came home from Nigeria to discover a town he almost knew. Wake Forest College was the new boast of the city, which was fair enough. The Tacker had no investment in it, having studied architecture at State College in Raleigh, flourishing in the competitive atmosphere of design studios housed on a huge courtyard on the north side of campus. More changed than Winston-Salem was Tacker. He had left home a minor American hero and returned disgraced. The thought of his violent dismissal from an international assignment with the Clintock Corporation hollowed his chest even now, four months after his return. I
0: really had a good time recording season five with the uh, with the 19 authors. Here, like other seasons, we've got some episodes that have two authors in them, so it kind of drives the energy level up a little bit. We have episodes with poets. We have episodes with uh, novelists. We have some nonfiction. We have short stories. We have essays. We have a wide variety. I, I learned a lot uh, this fall recording with these authors. I-, I enjoyed some great reads in the process. And I hope you will enjoy listening to these episodes as much as I enjoyed helping the authors uh, give voice to their written words. So in a little bit of time we have left, we're going to talk about uh, what's coming because, as you know, change is inevitable and sometimes necessary and uh, uh, sometimes for, for good reasons. We hope the changes we're making uh, fall into those categories. So in the Looking Forward category, I want to share some some information for with you that I'm really excited about. First, we're going to be uh, launching... Uh, a new series of episodes. Uh, we're going to call them the Under the Covers edition of Charlotte Readers Podcast. They'll release on Fridays. Our long-form show, which is around 60 minutes more or less, uh, releases on Tuesdays. But I had been uh, receiving um, uh, a number of submissions from the Charlotte area and from around the state uh, and other states as well. And I really wanted to get more authors on the show. Um, I was getting backed up. I was getting to the point where I couldn't even Record uh, with someone to be on the show until sometime next summer for the long-form show. And it occurred to me that uh, maybe there was a way to to get more authors on. So I came up with this idea uh, of a more compressed show that uh, will allow me to do a number of different things. First, I'm going to be able to get more authors on the show. It'll be a 20-minute show, but we're going to do much the same thing that we do on the long-form show. Uh, We just won't go as deep into some of the uh, reading and writing life of the author, but we will talk about the book we'll have a little reading we'll talk a little bit about the writer's life so you'll get to hear uh from a number of uh additional authors that you wouldn't hear from if we didn't launch this show so in uh getting ready for this show we decided to put together a few promotional clips uh sarah Viver, voice talent who helps me out uh, on the podcast she and i got together recorded uh you know a few voice uh clips uh, about the uh, upcoming under the covers edition so uh uh, all in fun, but uh, but here's one to uh, give you a little feel for what we're about to do. You ready to record this spot?
1: Let's do it. Welcome to
0: this Under the Covers episode of Charlotte Readers Podcast, where... Wait,
1: wait, wait a minute. What do you mean, Under the Covers?
0: It's not your turn. You're supposed to do the part about the sponsors.
1: Yeah, I know. But uh, Park Road Books and Charlotte Mecklenburg Library, but... Look,
0: look, it's just quicker. It's not 60 minutes long. That's all. Did you say quickie? No, no. Yeah, I mean... Look, it's a play on words. Books have covers. We're going under the covers to... Uh,
1: Sounds like lewd innuendo to me. Do Park Road Books and Charlotte Mecklenburg Library know about this?
0: Am I paying you? No. All right, good. This is the show where authors, not you, give voice to the written words.
1: And where everyone, including you, can find out more about our sponsors at parkroadbooks.com and cmlibrary.org.
0: Can we finally get under the covers?
1: Maybe you should ask your guests.
0: Great idea. Now, in addition to uh, having additional authors uh, be able to appear on the show, one of the things I'm going to be able to do with the Under the Covers uh, episode is take my mobile equipment and go into the field sometimes. We're thinking about uh, Charlotte Rear's podcast going on book tour, in other words, going to bookstores around the state, uh, meeting with different uh, authors uh, in those settings and recording some uh, 20-minute shows that we can use for the podcast. I can do that a little easier when we're doing a short, shorter version of the show than I can with the, with the long-form version. That's an option. That's an option. And uh, so we're going to be able to do it uh, here. We're going to do it there and over yonder as well. So that's one additional uh, value to having the Under the Covers episode. I think most importantly, though, we're going to have the chance to uh, just bring more authors on the show. There's, there's so much great talent uh, in the Charlotte area and beyond. Uh, regionally, North Carolina is known as one of the writing estates. So we've got South Carolina, which has a lot of great authors as well. We're getting submissions from Georgia and, uh, and Virginia as well. So it's really going to be sh- uh, Charlotte and regional authors that are going to be appearing on the show, and we can do it through through these two formats. Now, let me talk to you about quickly just the uh, first four episodes because we sort of record these in batches and we can release them. I've already recorded four episodes of the Under the Covers version, which will appear on Fridays in January, starting on uh, January the 10th. Uh, our lead-off author for... The Under the covers episode, uh, the January 10th uh, episode, is going to be uh, Fabie Pressler. She's the author of Fabulous F-Words of Business Ownership, Redefining Choice Words to Fuel Your Small Business. Now, Fabie knows what it's like to fail in business. Uh, Her father failed when she was young, and her family lost everything. And it happened in her family's previous generation, too. And yet, she always wanted to be a business owner. And it shows in the many awards that her company has received along this roller coaster ride she calls owning a small business. The book is about creating and growing a business. as part memoir and part how to and how not to when running a business. From fear, failure, and fatigue to faith, flourish, and fusion, the fabulous F-words of business ownership chronicles one business owner's footsteps and the choice words she redefined to fuel her small business. On Friday, January the 17th, we meet uh, the first of a uh, husband-wife uh, writing pair that will appear on the sh- on the undercover show in January. His name is uh, Dennis Kerrigan. He's the author of the novel Unusual Suspects, which involves a bunch of oddball, quirky, funny, lovable characters thrown into a chaotic mix when a dead body is found on the front porch of a small North Carolina town. Dennis is a member of the Charlotte Writers Club and the author of two novels, and he says that Unusual Suspects plays to his strengths because he loves wisecracks, witticisms, and quirky characters. On Friday, uh, January uh, 24th, 2020, We'll be getting under the covers with uh, Jennifer Ruff, author of the mystery thriller *Pretty Little Girls* and eight other novels. Jennifer is an Amazon and USA Today bestselling author who has three book series in process: the Brooke Walton series, the Agent Victoria Heslin series, and the Quinn Trainer Madeline Hamilton series. *Pretty Little Girls* takes place in Charlotte, and the plot of the novel involves sex trafficking, a serious topic. On the final Friday in uh, January, January 31st, 2020, uh, we get Under the Covers with author Sandy Hill. Uh, in this Under the Covers episode, uh, we talk to Sandy uh, about uh, her five novels, four historical fiction books, and one mystery. Sandy worked for many years as an editor for the Charlotte Observer and is a lifelong reader who wrote her first short story at age 10. She grew up poor in Pennsylvania in a small rural town, uh, and that uh, past informed her work particularly her novel The Blue Car, a coming-of-age story set in the North Carolina foothills that deals with difficult choices and the courage to stand up for what is right. Uh, Sandy is the uh, other half of the uh, husband-wife duo I mentioned earlier, but uh, we joked a little bit that Sandy has five novels and Dennis only has two, and Dennis is not sure he can catch up. Uh, so we've got a lot, uh, a lot of good stuff already in place for the uh, Under the Covers episode. I've already had... Uh, about five or six other authors who are committed to uh, participate in this uh, shorter version of the show? I've already got uh, for season six the long-form version uh, 14 authors who are committed to uh, record with me in the upcoming year for that and three or four authors who are committed to uh, record during the summer for the long-form version as well. So we're well on our way to uh, providing you with some great content for 2020 and uh, I certainly look forward to releasing these episodes. Two other quick changes for uh, 2020 that I want to tell you about. I'm hiring a social media company to help uh, help out the podcast, Social Grit. Well, what does this mean? Well, it means that our Charlotte Readers Podcast Facebook page is going to get better. And our Instagram account will go from the Landis Wade name to the Charlotte Readers Podcast name, and will get much better as well. So please be watching 2020 to see how someone who knows what they're doing with social media does it uh, with these two social media pages. I'll still be playing around with Twitter and uh, maybe uh, LinkedIn, but, uh, hey, they're going to take care of, of this other part, and uh, we're going to see some improvements. And then uh, the final news that I've got uh, for 2020 is uh, we've, uh, we've, we're starting a Patreon account. Now, what does that mean? It means basically we're going to be providing some exclusive content. The podcast itself will always be free. Authors don't pay to play, and listeners don't pay for the content. And that's true for the uh, long-form version that releases on Tuesdays. As well as the Under the Covers episode that releases on Fridays, but I can't do this alone, and uh, you know I'm looking for a way to to get some help, uh, helping me help authors give voice to the written words. And the idea that I've come up with is the creation of a uh, Patreon page and some exclusive content for member supporters. That is, those of you listeners who decide you'd uh, like to help out by contributing. little bit on a monthly basis toward the podcast, Um, we're going to be creating and cultivating and curating some additional content that will be available exclusively to those member supporters. Now I'm going to have information uh, about this exclusive content uh, on the website in January 2020. I'm working with the uh, web designer now to come up with the exclusive content page. This will explain uh, to anyone who's interested in helping us help authors give voice that uh, they can do it through this page by linking to our patreon page essentially what'll happen is you'll you'll basically be able to uh, link through go go to our patreon page find out what we're offering uh, and if you sign up for several tiers you'll receive uh, member benefits the the cool thing about this is that uh, if you do become a supporter you will get your own private rss feed now they may not mean anything to you but Basically, you'll get an email that'll have a have a link in it, and if you copy and paste that link uh, into your podcast app, you'll have your own private feed that'll show up, uh, you know, in your iPhone. You know how you see in your in, in Apple Podcasts in your iPhone or whatever you may be using to to look at your your podcast. You'll have the square there that has a picture of the podcast, and when you click on it, you'll see all the episodes. Well. Essentially, when you have a private RSS feed, you'll also have a picture. In this case, it'll be the uh, circular uh, Charlotte Rears podcast logo instead of the square one. It'll show up in your feed, and in that feed, you'll be getting the exclusive content. So if you wanted to, you could listen to it you know, on your iPhone uh, or on your Android device. Uh, but you could also listen to this exclusive content directly at the Patreon page, just on your home computer uh, or your laptop by clicking on Uh, the access that you'll have as a member supporter now what are you going to get what do you get if you help uh, authors uh, give voice to the written words you're going to get you know different things depending upon the tiers but for the most part um, what we're going to do at one of the tiers is we're going to have author craft lectures i've already recorded uh, some of these exclusive content episodes for release uh, in january uh, and i'm really excited about them Uh, We're going to be actually uh, releasing more than just uh, one of these a month in the first several months. In January, instead of releasing just one author craft lecture, we're going to release two. We're going to release one that I recently recorded with Mark DeCastric and one that I recently recorded with Tracy Curtis. Mark is a uh, mystery writer. He's only only, uh, published 19 novels. Uh, His latest is Murder in Rat Alley. Uh, With Mark, we talk about the elements of good story, and how to write a great mystery. Uh, Mark uh, is the teacher, I play the student. He also reads from his new book, Murder in Rat Alley. Uh, With Tracy Curtis, Tracy has um, been a humor writer for a number of years. She published over 500 humor essays with the McClatchy Company, the Charlotte Observer. And then she's got three three humor books. With Tracy, we talk about how to write humor. She reveals some of uh, Tracy's bag of tricks when it comes to writing humor. And she reads from uh, one of her humor essays to illustrate uh, several of the points uh, that she makes uh, in the discussion. So those two episodes are going to be available um, uh, in January uh, for those who contribute uh, at a certain level on the podcast. Uh, in addition, I'm going to be creating some additional host-curated content where I, well, I do some additional things with, with maybe with uh, some individuals who haven't appeared on the show but who have some interesting or engaging content to provide maybe it'll be some repurposed content from previous seasons that doesn't have interruptions or maybe some behind the scenes reflections um and discussions and interviews about the podcast or the podcasting world so those will be additional things that'll be offered uh instead of offering one in january i'll offer two for that so uh in january if you join you're going to get be getting four pieces of exclusive content uh for for those we've got we've got three tiers we're setting up Uh, there's a two dollar tier for those who basically contribute two dollars a month and uh, for that you're going to get our uh, you're going to get our extreme gratitude there might be some more things I'm going to be able to add uh, to that as well at the five dollar level you're going to be getting the uh, at least one monthly craft lecture from uh, an author who's appeared on the podcast that could be the craft of writing it could be talking about the publishing business or marketing, but it would come from an author who's appeared on the show. And then at the $8 level, you're going to get uh, you know what you get at the $5 level, but you're also going to get the additional host-curated content, as I mentioned, that might be with someone who hasn't been on the show or some repurposed content without interruptions or reflections or behind-the-scenes information. And so at that level, you're going to get everything in the previous levels. And in, in all that, uh, in those two levels, um, you get access to... To back content at those levels, I think it's going to be. Uh, well, I'm certainly enjoying recording them. I'm enjoying learning from the authors and creating some of this new content. I think it's going to be a a great addition, and we'll figure out uh, how to make sure you know how to get access to it. So, I would uh, I'd love to have you check out uh, the exclusive content page. Uh, That's going to be at charlottereaderspodcast.com. That'll have information about these various tiers and what you uh, can get for helping us uh, uh, help authors give voice to their written words. As I close the uh, first full year of the podcast, I'd like to say uh, a few words in gratitude, if I could. Uh, to the listeners, I really appreciate you listening to the show. Um, Without you, we'd be talking to ourselves. Um, I know I appreciate it. Uh, I've heard from the authors who appear on the show, and I know they appreciate it. Uh, to the authors, uh, it's been a wonderful, entertaining, engaging ride uh, where I can now count you as writing colleagues and friends, and I appreciate uh, appreciate the opportunity to work with you to, to on this creative venture and to help you give voice to your written words. To the sponsors of the show, Park Road Books, uh, Sally and James and everyone at Park Road Books, uh, thank you for your support. Uh, Charlotte McMurray Library, to Seth and Ann and Aisha and others over there, thank you for for your support as well, uh, to my workspace here, Advent Coworking, where I record in the well-equipped podcast studio. Thank you for, uh, for putting up with me and helping me, uh, figure out how to push the buttons, uh, and get this, uh, this content out into the world. To my writing community, uh, Charlotte Writers Club, uh, uh Charlotte Lit, North Carolina Writers Network, uh, Write Like You Mean It, uh, uh, my critique group who wonders where I've been the past year. Thank you. To my network, Queen City Podcast Network and Brian Baltashevitz and the other hosts with whom I've uh, connected at the network, uh, thanks for uh, this uh, collaboration we've been doing together. And uh, to Queen City Nerve for the honor and the best in the nest selection, we're, we really appreciate that and we're honored to have been uh, on the list and, and and selected. And to my creative and technical supporters, uh, Robert Ingalls at Law Pods for, my, for all the podcast consulting you do. Uh, Sarah Vavra for your voice work, Tom Pataccio for your web design, Roberta uh, Griner for your photography, Brian Baltasiewicz for the live podcast support and through the network, Michael Falero for your audio consulting, Hannah Turner for promotional consulting for the upcoming year, Wade Foley and Renee Gorman for the social media consulting for the upcoming year, and finally to my wife who has to hear me tell others over and over again how much I enjoyed doing the podcast. I think she probably, uh, you know, flinches every time we're out and somebody says, hey, Landis, how's it going? Uh, hey, how's the podcast? Because, you know, I just can't help myself do I want to talk about the podcast and the authors and everything that's going on. She's uh, she's put up with me um, with, with my obsession here, and uh, I really appreciate that. Uh, it's not quite... Uh, uh, what uh, some people think of retirement I, As I said before I've gone from a full-time paying job To a full-time non-paying job Which I don't think of as a job I think, I've think i redefined the word uh, uh, Work to, to effort Because effort uh, on a creative venture Is something that I think uh, has extreme value And that's what I'm, what I'm doing But some of those things I was supposed to do in retirement Around the house have been delayed And uh, I'm sure Janet is wondering When I'm going to get to some of those I will get to those in 2020, I promise and finally, to my pups who continue to walk with me every morning, uh, Gus and Lori, with my earbuds in, uh, and as I listen to podcasts and think about writing and writers and podcasting, they keep me company every morning. And I may have mentioned those, uh, those pups of mine, uh, they're, they're named after uh, characters in Larry McMurtry's uh, book, Lonesome Dove, one of my favorites. Uh, so, hey, we're always in the literary world, uh, even early in the morning with my pups. Resolutions, I don't usually do them, rarely make them. When I do, I haven't kept them, but I'm gonna give it a shot. Uh, I do resolve to do a few things uh, in the upcoming year. I'm gonna to try to make a little more time for writing in 2020, uh, number one. And number two, I'm gonna to continue to enjoy this uh, podcast experience. Reminding myself that this is effort, not work, that everyone's busy, not just me. And then in producing Charlotte's podcast, I found a great way to continue to grow while being creative. Hope everyone listening has a happy new year and that 2020 is an exciting, engaging time for you. Because we never know how much time we have, so let's make the best of it.